Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Christopher Sexton, and today I'm here with my friend, Kiwoo. Hey, I'm Kiwoo, and today I'm here with my friend, Allison. Hello, I'm Allison, and today we're here with our guest, Jean Sue, and we're going to be chatting about finding a new job, getting a new job during the pandemic. Jean is a writer, coach, and software engineer turned leadership coach after working for a decade in Silicon Valley. She is the VP of engineering at Range Labs and co-founder of Co-Leadership, which focuses on filling the gaps in leadership development in the tech industry. Jean doesn't miss writing code, but she does miss deleting it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So finding a new job during a pandemic, I think the for me, the first question is <laughs> sort of want to say the first question is why, you know, or sort of what what prompted you to to look for a new job during during pandemic? So I was doing leading workshops and online courses. And of course, in a pandemic, you can't lead as many in-person workshops. And th the main thing, though, that drove it was that I missed after like three years of being outside of tech companies and being more adjacent to the tech industry, I really missed being on a team. You know, when I when I left Medium, I was somewhat burnt out and I was like, oh, coaching is going to be great because I only come in for an hour and then and then it's like you're on your own. You know, I'm going to try to do my best to help you in that hour. But after that, it's on you're on your own. But I think I probably like recovered and, and spent a lot of time, you know, just recovering from that journey and then got to a point where I was like, oh, I really would like to be on a team where I, you know, coach people and manage them and work with them and collaborate with them. And then I'm also getting to see them every day or, you know, working on the same product with them. So that was kind of what drove that decision. So I've done a fair amount of hiring. I think Allison has as well during the pandemic. And it's been kind of interesting on that side. I'm kind of curious on like, what was your take on the process? I, I sh I'm sure this is like everything else, slightly different, probably annoying in ways you didn't expect and maybe even better in some ways that you weren't expecting. Yeah, I actually got really lucky in terms of timing. My former manager at Medium and the head of engineering there reached out to me right around when I was starting to think about, you know, maybe going back in into working in teams. And uh, he said they were looking for eng leadership. And one of the other co-founders is also someone I used to work with at Medium. And so it, it kind of all worked out. And I made the deliberate and intentional decision not to do like the full-blown job search of, you know, looking at all the companies and putting myself forward for technical screens and the whole the whole thing. I was just like, I just don't have it in me. I have my kids half the time, like they're in distance learning, right? It's just, it's not going to happen. And I just, yeah, it just, it, it worked out. Yeah. So it's just, just like since always, it goes back to the network you have and, you know, the people you know, or the people that you know, who know other people. I feel like about half of the hires that my company has made during the pandemic have been very similar. We've also done some general like inbound resumes. And some of those are nicer because the whole remote thing was answered for us. It was very tempting to try to not stick to remote for the rest of the company. And then all of a sudden we can now hire engineers who don't happen to be geographically located nearby. I feel like that's at least a silver lining, <laughs> a more level playing field for that. Yeah. And it was also particularly nice just because I had been out of 
coding and engineering management on teams for three, three and a half years at that point. And so, you know, having the confidence that like the people hiring me know what they're getting because they had worked with me for, you know, four years, five years, my manager now, he had supported me through my second maternity leave at Medium. And so I had, there's just like a lot of history of trust there. So that that helps a lot. Yeah, that's one of the questions that I was going to ask. I, I feel like there's sort of a desire almost during the pandemic to sort of like change nothing because so many things require so much more mental space and and bandwidth and just, you know, like even simple things require a lot more logistical considerations and, you know, thinking thinking through them. And so I feel like the space that I have in my brain and the willpower that I have to voluntarily change things is much, much lower than it is maybe at any other point in my in my life. And so I'm curious, as you were thinking about, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you had a good, like established relationship. And so there wasn't sort of a concern of like building a relationship, getting, you know, getting to know the people that were sort of hiring you. But, you know, in terms of folks that you're managing or, you know, the engineering department that that you're running. I'm I'm curious what sort of additional considerations, what what new things went through your head given the current situation that we're in that were sort of unique to changing a job or starting in a role like this in a different time in history. Yeah, it made me really focus and and clarify what was what is important to me and I think the things I came up with were like I want to work on a team I want to work with people that I trust and respect and care about and I want to find a role where I have the flexibility to to do the things that I love so that's writing coaching coding you know all these things and I felt like for a lot of roles, it'd be more strictly engineering management. But I just spent like three years learning how to sell, how to talk to, how to speak the language of engineering managers, having, you know, being one myself, but then also like, how do you sell leadership courses to them? And so the fact that range is also selling to engineering managers, I felt like there was this additional, really unique fit where I could bring in like, my expertise there of like, hey, I I want to run a workshop, or I want to write a column or blog posts or record, you know, short chats with engineering leaders. There's just a lot, there's a really wide range and flexibility of like what I want my role to be. So that's something I was looking for. And I think it also made it clear to me that like, you know, it's hard to be in the tech industry sometimes if you base your success off of like financial outcomes, because there's always going to be someone who like bought Bitcoin at the right time or like joined this company that you were also considering and then they joined it and then, you know, the company IPO'd. And so I think that became really clear to me that that wasn't what I was like absolutely optimizing for. It was more the journey and like enjoying the journey, enjoying it with people that I knew and trusted. So I assume it's pretty safe to say that you are definitely looking at hiring and growing teams and or considering that. What would you do different now that you went through this whole experience? As the hiring manager, like how is there some anything that you would do now that you wouldn't have done in the past, you know, when you were bringing on a new employee or going through the interview process or or in any of those steps? I I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying, right? There's you you don't have this question of how remote is this job anymore, right? You kind of 
before I feel like there was this, oh, well, it's not really remote. But if you know someone who's really good and they have experience doing mm-hmm. remote and they're senior enough, then, you know, I'm sure that'd be okay. But really opening up the pipeline to everyone, you know, within certain time zones, that's one of our, our requirements. But I think that really has shifted. And I think when we're, we were committed to being remote first, digital first, both because that's what we want to do and the software supports that, right? We want to help other teams be remote first and, and collaborate effectively in that way. So I think that's probably the the biggest change and finding ways to really lean into asynchronous communication so that people across different time zones can work effectively together and still feel like a team and feel connected. Yeah, I feel like it's cheating a little bit that you work at a company that builds tools <laughs> that enable that sort of thing. So obviously that's right. a value. <laughs> Whereas right, right. other like other companies, that's just it's an afterthought. Or, you know, it started out everyone in an office and having to have transition growing pains. But I as you know, I had a team that was half engineer or the engineers were half remote and half, you know, together in an office. And actually Once we were just fully remote, a lot of problems became simpler. Yeah, I think the hybrid space, which I think a lot of companies are going to be looking at returning to over the next few months, is actually more challenging because you default to a lot of in-person habits and synchronous habits of like, (laughs) oh, the hallway conversations, right? That's where people are getting their information. And a lot of times it's like the execs and the managers who are in-person and then the people who are working on their teams are remote because they live further out or in different locations. And there becomes this imbalance of like Mm -hmm. the people who are in the in crowd, who are in in person. And there's just like an inequality of like distribution of information that that arises. It's it's very painful. (laughs) It's hard to do something about like, you know, even just people leaning back and like talking to each other at a table is just becoming missing information. But yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm about to I got asked to join a remote work panel um, from a company that's based in New York and we were prepping for it a few weeks ago and they were they were also talking about like oh eventually that they'll they'll they're thinking about this hybrid model and as it turns out I'm I I have ended up being the only external to their company person on this panel it's going to be really random but whatever they seem nice and they have an office in New York so I figured it might be a nice connection if I ever wanted to go visit and check them out but anyway I'm curious I I am not sure how it's going to go because there's a part of me that wants to just like stand up and be like if you only take one point away it's that like if you're gonna do this hybrid model like be very very careful about what you're doing yeah in some ways i feel like you need to lean more into the remote practices in the hybrid model because it's so easy to to slip up and and go back into like old habits yeah when i first when i got my current job almost four years ago now it's been my first remote job i remember reading up all these things and and Kate Puston on her blog had written an article at some point where she talked about like, yeah, in an office, there are norms that you default to and you don't have to think about it. So you just do that. And when you work from home, like part of it is like you to be more intentional in designing your work processes because it's not socially enforced in that same way. And I always just thought about that a lot. And that, that, that one of the reasons I took this remote job in particular was at least at the time, people's estimates were, oh, yeah, Heroku is like at least 60% remote. It's definitely majority remote in some way, to the point where the people who did live local to the San Francisco office, like 
oftentimes at best went into the office three times a week, maybe because there just weren't anyone there and it was, it was so easy. So I always feel like in that situation where even the people who like to go into the office, find it easy to work remotely, like that would be a pretty good criteria. Yeah. I know some people are, you know, miss being in offices, but I, for one, I, I mean, I live in Berkeley and most offices are in SF and like doing that commute every day and like having to pick up the kids at the end of the day is just like, it's it's grueling. I'm never. I don't think I'm ever gonna go back to having to make that commute. Maybe once a week, like optionally, like oh, let's meet up in a co-working space once a week or something. But I think that's a big change. And and one of the considerations that actually made it easier for me to consider going back into a company, just that the pandemic made it that you know more companies were. I mean, obviously, all companies were remote, and then a lot more companies were like indefinitely remote. I am dying to get the whole team together to do the offsite summit, whatever you have. Like, I want to do that so bad, but I don't miss my commute. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been thinking about this as well of just like we are a household with two young kids, two working parents. We after the beginning of the pandemic, like we had regular childcare again. We didn't have to deal with remote school. So all these things like lined up in our favor and still like. I would happily buy, you know, an extra hour, two hours, three hours every day. And then, so I just think that the families that where there, where there are significant commutes on a daily basis. Like I, when I moved back to New Jersey from when I was working in Boston, I lived with my parents for a month or two where they still live in more central New Jersey. And it's like a little over an hour's train ride or bus ride just to get into Penn Station in Manhattan. And then from there, taking the subway wherever you would have to go. And after like, after like a week of that, I was just like, I cannot believe that they did that commute for a decade to support our family. I was like, I cannot believe my sister and I were like, were, would be like such rude teenagers to them while they were doing this commute. They'd get home at seven o'clock in the evenings during the week and then like have to rouse themselves to like get us to do our chores and piano practice and whatever else. And I was just like, oh man, like I... I understand now. I apologize in retrospect. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there are certainly ways in which, you know, like everyone, I'm struggling in the pandemic. But in terms of commute time, I mean, when I was pregnant with my older one, who's seven now, I was commuting from Mountain View and I had to drive to the Caltrain, like run to catch the last bullet bullet train, quote unquote, and then get to Fourth and King and then walk another 15 minutes. And I did that while like, pregnant in my first trimester, you know, like fumes from the cars, feeling really nauseous getting to work and like throwing up. And like, I did that for the whole pregnancy. It was awful. And then we moved to Berkeley. And then we did I did this, like, you know, I had to walk the kids, I wanted to leave the car for my ex husband and so or husband at the time. So I would like, get the, you know, three year old holding on to the stroller and the baby in the stroller and like, drop one off at daycare, drop one off at like preschool and then go to bar. And then, you know, it was just like, I mean, compared to that, this is like, like a walk in the park, honestly. So I'm curious though, coming, like coming into a leadership role in a company, and I don't know if Ranch has like always been remote or sort of more recently remote, but are there sort of like practices or expectations or things that you've 
put in place, you know, that like sort of, we all have more on our plates because of like no commute, but because of pandemic. So are there, are there things that you like put in place or how did you, yeah, I guess communicate all that out remotely and sort of set some of those expectations for the company? One of the things that Range has published, like there's blog posts about this, but there are already huge proponents of like, you know, let's get rid of the nine to five. You know, people have people have stuff going on. Like, let's focus on what needs to get done. And they had this idea of windowed work. And so like, you know, maybe from nine to 11, you have no childcare. And so you're maybe yellow or like, try not to schedule meetings with me, but I'll be around. Like, you, you know, I might not be as available. Red is like, you know, I'm totally offline. Don't, you know, don't message me. Green is like, that's my, my focus time. And so that made me feel more comfortable taking the role because at the time we were just entering a pod situation with another kid and his also divorced parents. And so we have this like four household, three kid situation where the kids go to each house once a week and then the the, the fifth day we rotate. But it made it like a lot. I just felt more comfortable being like, Hey, on Wednesdays, I'm going to be, that's my pod day. You know, there's a babysitter in the morning, but from like 1230 to five, I'm basically in charge of like keeping three humans alive. So I'm just not going to be available. I'll work a little bit later on, you know, Thursday night if I need to, but just like making the expectation, like get your work done. And, And also like in the pandemic, you know, there were like really long grocery lines and like just stuff people needed to do during the day, really just loosening the the expectations of like, everyone's going to be online nine to five, which you can't really do anyways, because we have people on both coasts. One thing Range has is set core hours. So I think it's like 10am to 3pm Pacific time. So during those times, those are the only times you can have team meetings. Anything before or after that is sort of, you're not supposed to have team meetings during that time. Nice. Yeah, I think it's also nice when senior leaders are are using those window, the you know those color systems or windows. Or I've heard of a number of companies that have like sort of rolled that like rolled that out. But I think that the usefulness of it really sort of goes back to like safety and feeling comfortable with with using them. And so you know if they are like if those statuses are being used all the way up and all the way down around et cetera, it's great. If it's only being used by like parents, let's say, it becomes more of a concern because people are like, oh, well, everybody else is like green all the time. And like, sometimes I'm red, sometimes I'm yellow, sometimes I'm green. Like, how does that, you know, there's concern about how that reflects on parents and like, you know, getting their work done, how available they are, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a cool system. And it's it's nice that it's something that's fully fully baked in to to the company culture. Yeah, I think it's super important that people see leaders doing that. So like one of the founders will be like, "Hey, I'm taking I'm taking the morning off to do some to have some personal time." Or um someone I just talked to this morning, she said she lives in Boston and she was like, "Tuesday it's going to be 60 degrees, so I'm like taking I blocked off a few hours so I can go for like a long walk with my dog." You know, and, and like she doesn't have kids and like just having that be the norm of like, do whatever you need to do. Like, it's rough right now. So like, do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself so that when you are working, you can you, you can fully show up. All right. So now it's time in our show where we move to genius and fail moments. So something that's happened in the last few weeks that either has gone really well, it's felt like a genius or, you know, a fail, something that 
something that hasn't gone so well. Does anyone want to start? I can because I feel like everyone's will go up from here. I read heezed it in our Slack channel a little bit. It's pretty quick. I closed like my 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 three and a half year old's little fingers were holding like a doorway while he's looking at something else, and I closed the in the hinge oh. of the door and I closed it on his fingers yesterday. Yeah, it was just I can feel it just from you describing it. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I just like as 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 we sank to the ground and he's like sobbing his heart out. I mean at least he did still turn to me if if he had like rejected me at the same time since like I was the cause of his pain. Like I don't I think like I also we would have all been sobbing, but at least I kept it together like just you know, trying to rub some feeling back into his little fingers. But as I reflected back, I was like, oh yeah, like as I pulled the door closed, there was, you know, like normally to close all the way, there was like a little oh. bounce at the end. <laughs> and like briefly, I was like, wait, did like my coat get caught in the, like, what was oh, that? No. <laughs> and like, fortunately, I slowed down slightly enough that didn't I didn't pull just, harder. Like, I didn't do it again. Like, on, yeah, it. but I was like so close to just being like, maybe I just need to like, it's an old house, like maybe it just stuck or whatever. But like, you know, he started wailing, and uh, yeah, then I was just like, wow, that was really horrific. But also at the same time, like while I was holding, like, no, no, we're focusing on comforting. Like he's like obviously in a lot of like he 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 has a right to his feelings. Don't try to rush this. Like just like all, all the stuff I've read in parenting books of like how to try to react. So I. I'm, I'm hoping I, I did that part well. And it wasn't until like he had fully calmed down and we had like sat sometimes just like cuddling for a little bit. And and he he was starting to ask questions like reprocessing of like what just happened. And that was when I could then be like, okay, so like now we know like when your fingers are close to a door, like you can put your hand over here, but you can't put your fingers over there. Like, and he repeated it after me a few times. So like, I think lessons were learned. <laughs> But it was a pretty bad fail. It's so rough. I can go. This is a genius. A genius not of my doing at all. But my little one turned three last week. And so we had her her like three-year-old well visit, which is virtual. They're still, uh, we're still just just doing virtual, virtual doctor's appointments. But that little girl made us look like such good parents. (laughs) She was like... She was well-behaved. She was jumping. She was telling stories. She was, like, you know, using, like, more advanced vocabulary. I mean, and we didn't, like, we weren't, like, now this is how you, like, prepare for the doctor's appointment. But, she like, she just, like, did all of it. Like, she was engaged. She was answering doctor's questions. Like, she just, you know, it, and this is compared to the last doctor's appointment that we had. She, like, she was just sort of a uh, like the doctor at the end of the appointment said well she's very <laughs> strong-willed which will serve her well in life but choose your battles well like choose your battles wisely so that was like the end of our last doctor's appointment our last virtual doctor's appointment with her and so yeah this one she was just like 
telling so you know and so the doctor was like well she's obviously like met all of her developmental milestones doing fantastically and we, we like hung up and like my husband and I like high-fived each other and we were like yes she just made us look so good like we are on top of it like even when the doctor asked her like what her favorite food was she said something like this kind of rice jollof rice sort of this African rice that our nanny makes she was like jollof rice I also like chocolate waffles but when you eat chocolate waffles you shouldn't eat too much of it but it's okay to eat it sometimes and they it has sugar so you need to make sure to brush your teeth and I was like yeah <laughs> so anyway that's my it's like of no doing of my own but I will claim all the credit for it being a genius I can share one. I recently succumbed to downloading TikTok and so now I have a lot of new information about like life hacks and random stuff. But there was this one parenting hack or parenting video. She said like, okay, we have these three rules that are on our fridge. I don't remember exactly all of them, but one was like, don't ask things as a question, just tell them what to do. And I didn't realize I do this all the time, but like a lot of times I'll be like, hey, can you put, you know, it's time to go, it's time to drop them off. Like, hey, can you put your laptop and headphones in your backpack? And of course they're like, no, <laughs> no, you do it, right? Like, I don't want to do it or like ask the other kid to do it. And then, and I just started being like, hey, it's time to do this. And they do it. I was like, what, like, should I, I should read more parenting books. Like, what does this say about me that I'm like seven years in, I'm just realizing this trick. <laughs> yeah. The the corollary to that is don't give them options. Like, don't be, do you want to do this or this? Like, no, don't, don't do that. Just say we're doing this and there's no options. Yeah. Which there's an age when options are good if you if both options are desirable outcomes, right? They're, they're, yeah, definitely a good time. But yeah. I, I also know that like my wife and I will, will do something where we'll, we'll ask the two options and then they'll pick the thing we didn't want. And we're like, what? We, we didn't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are, I was talking to my seven-year-old and I, I said, hey, you need to clean up. You need to clean this up. And she said, well, why, why can't you clean it up? <laughs> and I remember this from like some other parenting podcast. And I was like, oh, I'm going to tell her about like my goal in parenting. I'm like, well, when you are older and you move out and you live with roommates, you really like need to be able to clean up after yourself and like, you know, not be a burden, like really need to, there's like just things you need to know as a grown up, And so I'm helping you learn those things. And she's like, well, I already know them, so I'll just do it then, but not now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm, that's logical. <laughs> We're going to need some practice. Got to get your reps in. <laughs> so that framing wasn't quite effective. <laughs> <laughs> I've also said that when you catch up to as many times as I've cleaned up, then I'll start doing it again. <laughs> yeah, but it was like, she was just like, duh. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> that's how she said it. she's like well i'll just do I'll it just... then <laughs> it's too much i don't know if i would address that specific situation but but in in general the how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk is a is a classic spans many ages and i think that kind of thing is in there of like if you actually want them to do something just say that rather than phrasing it as a question when you're 
when it when it literally is presenting mm -hmm. yes or no as an option <laughs> no it's not actually an acceptable option to you right or like can you is one question but even like oh do you want to clean up like no they don't want to <laughs> clean up oh. right like <laughs> why would i want to <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, at best we are sometimes like, oh, do you want to do you want to do chore A or chore B first? Which which and then we will do the next one after. The best way to get the kids to do the dishes is to offer them that or cleaning the cat box. <laughs> <laughs> I'll close out. I have one that goes way back. My daughter is in high school now. This is back when she used to admit to actually liking Star Wars. I'm trying to remember how old she was. I'm thinking it's like circa five or six, but I have it written down as, you know, this quote that she said, and she goes, she doesn't want to be a Disney princess because you have to talk nice all day. She wants to be a stormtrooper because it's fun and you can be snarky. So that, that was my genius. I was very <laughs> proud of that one. <laughs> all right. Gina, thank you so much for coming on our show. If folks want to find out more about you, where should they look? Where can they go on the internet? most active on Twitter these days. My username is J-Y-H-S-U. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at, at Parent Driven Dev. And if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>